I'm Jeff Kober, and we welcome you to another Disney at Play podcast. Today we are going to uh, take a look at the new Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway that has premiered at Disney's Hollywood Studios at Walt Disney World and will uh, be coming soon uh, in the next year or two to Disneyland out in California. So we're excited. We want you to take a look at, uh, we're going to go through all the details. We're going to talk about what it's most like. We're going to talk about what's working. We're going to talk about uh, what's not working. We're going to go point by point through this entire attraction and ride and give you all the, all the fun out of uh, what is going to uh, be a memorable attraction to many guests who come and visit this park. So stay tuned. Make sure you uh, take a look at our uh, uh, podcast uh, show page that is on disneyatplay.com as it will uh, show you a lot of images from what we'll be talking about today and make sure you subscribe so that you can um, check all of our podcasts as they come along. So here we are. We have uh, gone through a period where in 2017 the great movie ride closed at the Chinese theater and now we have finally seen the new a long-awaited uh, Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway open at Disney's Hollywood uh, Studios. I, um, I, uh, as you know, in a previous podcast, I love the great movie ride, and it's a miss that it's no longer there. I wrote a podcast and post, did a podcast and post about ten things I love about that. This attraction is so completely different. It just simply occupies the same space as that attraction was, but it's not about movies. It's not about any genre. There are a couple of scenes that are kind of reminiscent, but they're they're minor reminiscences of the great movie ride. And um, and so let's let's kind of walk through this. The first thing I should talk about is the arrival, and I don't mean the arrival at the Chinese theater. I mean the arrival into Disney's Hollywood Studios, because now you see a long shot down Hollywood Boulevard to the Chinese Theater with the neon signage of Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway lit up at the end of the street, even during daytime hours. And so it now is, it's reminiscent of the original Disney MGM Studios and those days long before we ended up with a blue sorcerer hat or afterwards the the shows that occurred such as... Uh, Star Wars um, Galaxy Far, Far Away. And, you know, I, I never had a problem with the hat. And I never really, and I, and I really quite liked the show, that uh, the Star Wars show that was put on. My only frustration was these things occupied the space in front of the, great, uh, of the Chinese theater 24-7. And so they blocked that view. And it's like putting up... You, you're putting up something big in front of Cinderella Castle to block that view. It just didn't make any sense. And so um, I'm glad those things are away. And I'm glad that you have this sense of anticipation as you go down uh, Disney's Hollywood uh, Studios, Hollywood Boulevard. Uh, it, it's like the perfect weenie at the end of the, uh, the experience. The only thing that's not still quite figured out is that there is this planter, which there always was. In fact, if you remember going back in the early days, the biggest hidden Mickey in all of Walt Disney World was actually an aerial view of Mickey's face 
from the Chinese theater. And the curvature of the Chinese theater actually formed the, the smile for Mickey and the planner in front actually created the nose of it. it, it you, you don't really have that anymore. It's, there's been too many changes over the years. But there's always been this planter. In fact, the Christmas tree for many years was was placed there uh, before it was put out in the front of the park and now at Echo Lake. I like the location at Echo Lake. But this planter is kind of this thing that stands in the way from just going right up to it. You kind of have to go around it. So I don't know what their plans are for this planter and, and what's going to go there. But what is happening is you do get, uh, you do arrive and you enter the exterior queue. Now I've been on the attraction a couple of times and the first time I did it, I just entered right at the, it was mid afternoon and I entered what is generally the standby queue that goes off to the right side of the theater and then comes back in through the theater into the actual ride itself. Um, that, that line was posted as 90 minutes. And it really was a little over 60 minutes before I was on the attraction. So that was nice that I didn't wait the full hour and a half. I was willing to wait because I wanted to see the attraction uh, on a, during the opening week. Um, the second time that I visited was actually before opening at the park. And there were already a lot of people who were lining up. In fact, I got there, I want to say I got there a little before 7 a.m. And, um, and the crowds were, were quite full and people had immediately gone straight into, they were, they were queuing up this attraction. They were, however, not opening the attraction prior to 8 a.m. And so, and that may have been good because some people might have been on the ride by the time they wanted to uh, do the, um, uh, try to get a, um, uh, a boarding group for Rise of the Resistance. So that kind of made sense. Um, what was interesting about that line, and by the way, that morning, that was this, the first Saturday. So you got a lot of locals lined up and the line just went on and on. It was more than just that area to, to the right of the Ch Chinese theater. It filled that, it filled everything. It took up an entire space of switchbacks all the way up to the, the studio gate. And then it did switchbacks behind that little nose um, berm that I talk about in front of the theater. And then it started going down Hollywood Boulevard. It was a full, full queue. What was interesting at eight o'clock when it opened is that the queue moved rapidly and quickly. You were almost pretty well doing a slow walk without any stops all the way into it until about the time we got into the theater. And why was that the case? Because, well, fast pass isn't usually used until about 8.30 or so. And so, and so with nobody going in through FastPass, it was just an immediate flow into, um, into the ride. And this is one of the reasons why I am not a fan of FastPass. These attractions, now that compares to a, a line that was a third of the weight the day before. And I just stood there, stood there at times for, for five or six minutes before I took a step forward. It just seemed to go very slowly. Even though it was only 60 minutes, it felt slower. I ended up waiting two hours because we lined up at about 7 a.m. for the attraction. 
in a much longer line. So it was a longer wait, but it felt longer in the shorter wait because of the fast pass. I cannot emphasize enough that fast pass fails in this. It makes the standby queue go much slower. Um, now, for me, in the future, I have the advantage of a child who has, um, I guess, disability pass. And if the ch if my child wants to do it, I can do it. And essentially, it becomes a fast pass for me. So I get the benefit. But honestly, I think my child would benefit, would be okay with the standby line if it were always moving and you're not just standing there waiting. And so I, 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 this is not a podcast about fast pass, but... I just need to explain that FastPass has its deficits, and this is this really played out. Another thing, um, now, of course, the exterior here, what you do get is the whole thing is reminiscent of the Chinese theater, all the beautiful details of that architecture, completely just like the one in Hollywood. Um, what worked was cast members, they used a lot of cast members, especially when the queue was long, to help funnel the guests, um, that was really cool. They offer the Disney Play app, which kind of goes through Mickey Mouse trivia. Now, um, it is difficult trivia at times unless you really know the Mickey Mouse TV series, in which case you'll probably do pretty good if you've seen the shorts for the new Mickey Mouse TV series, which is what the animation look and feel is like for this, uh, for this attraction. So... Um, that is kind of the, uh, so take a, that it was the advantage is you could play the app, uh, while you're waiting in line. Um, the other thing, just a minor thing is that when you finally entered the theater in the early days of the Chinese theater, you had the standby line going in through a side door here. They have everybody going through the front door. So you really feel like you're arriving at the theater. Um, rather than a side entrance. Now, once inside, as we move to the interior queue, um, again, all reminiscent of the Chinese theater in Hollywood. Details just beautifully work through. Um, the, the, what, um, and all of that really works um, because I love that, that, that Asian detail that's in the theater. What's disappointing is that you'll remember uh, that there were old props or costumes or artifacts you kind of looked at as you were standing in line during that portion in the in the lobby. Those are gone. Um, would have been kind of interesting to have some Mickey Mouse. I thought, you know, over the years, kind of artifacts or details or props or something. But they didn't have any of that. Um, what I, uh, they did have is they have a new additional queue as you kind of go through that area. Now, remember... You used to go through the lobby queue and then you went through the movie theater queue where you had a whole, you had about 12 switchbacks that took you to the entrance and you watched the old movies on the scene. That's all gone. It's no longer one theater. It's now a multiplex and you're going into one of two theaters. And prior to that, they have a smaller switchback, about four lines in a, in a newer um, queue that, that was very tasteful and very different, but still very reminiscent of the Chinese theater. So that was kind of cool. I show an image of that um, in the show notes. So take a look at that. Um, what I did think was going to be really cool, uh, Disneyland's version of this attraction is going to be a Toontown at, um, in Disneyland. 
and it's going to be theoretically at the El Capitoon Theater um, that they're going to create for this. I think it would be really fun to have the entire theater in that same Toontown style that we see in the entire attraction and after the pre-show. Um, so I'm kind of excited to see how Disneyland might do that because I think there's a lot of fun that you could have with all of that. Notwithstanding, you are queued into one of two pre-shows. They are both identical, two smaller theaters. Um, you're just standing during that theater show. It's a little bit like the two uh, libraries in Tower of Terror or the two stretch rooms in the Haunted Mansion. Sorry if you didn't know that. Not trying to, not trying to give away all Disney secrets, but, but that is the case. And, um, and you're watching a movie. Um, you're lined up to watch a Mickey Mouse short done in the new style. The whole uh, experience here is so reminiscent of the Get a Horse Mickey Mouse short. You'll remember, and then you can actually see this, if you, and it's a great way to see it, at um, uh, the Disney Pixar Film Festival at Epcot in the Journey into Imagination to Your Imagination Pavilion. Uh, you can see this movie where in the movie they come in and out of the screen. Well, here things blow up and you and the screen blows up and you get to walk through the screen. And I don't want to give away all the magic of how that happens, but that's a wow moment. It's a little reminiscent also of, um, of uh, uh, Enchanted Tales um, with Belle, uh, if you're familiar with the magic mirror. Um, with a uh, prop device that they use uh, with uh, that attraction at Fantasyland in Magic Kingdom. So it's it's very cool. And um, now the only problem with this is in the short. The short has a scene where Mickey and Minnie are getting ready to go on a picnic. And they start singing um, the song that you hear throughout the show, particularly at the beginning of the end, Nothing Can Stop Us Now. Nothing can stop us now. Da, 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 da. And by the way, you can download that on iTunes. So it's a really cute little, cute little um, uh, tin pan alley type number. Um, it's it's very very sweet. But as they're getting ready for this picnic, Minnie, advertently, inadvertently, I can't quite tell, she kicks Pluto into the trunk, throws the other stuff in the trunk, throws the trunk door locked, or and and locks the the trunk of the car and then climbs in and they're on their way. It, it just seemed to me, this was probably the one thing that I would say absolutely needs to be changed is it, it just almost looks like animal abuse. I know that there's kind of this whimsical um, slapstick style that you expect in this cartoon, but Pluto kind of looks beaten on in this. Now Pluto keeps showing up in the show. And in fact, Pluto and they hit a bump and and Pluto and a bunch of stuff go flying in the air and and one of those things lands in the caboose and that's what causes the kaboom when Goofy's riding along. But um, I, I just thought that was kind of a miss and why didn't they see that when they were doing it? It just doesn't it just doesn't seem quite right. Notwithstanding, as you exit as you go through the screen. You enter into the loading area of a barn, which is where Goofy's train had exploded. And you go into the loading area for this attraction. It's a little reminiscent. I said there's a couple of places where you kind of feel a little bit of the great movie, right? It reminds me of that very transitional scene out of the Western scene when you went through Todd's livery stable and made a turn then finally into 
um, eventually alien. But that little stable scene, now this is very different, a, a totally different in many ways. First of all, it's a loading unloading area. It is cartoonish down to the rails. The details are really very cool. They have these lanterns that kind of come out or, or props that kind of hang off the wall, but they're in 3D style and everything's in a cartoon look, including the train as it comes through. So really, you are just excited as you go. You, the anticipation really builds up as you go uh, through the final cues and are, you're lined up into this, um, into the experience of riding the train. The train comes in, you want it, you board it and you're on your way. The only thing that I'm not sure is working is I think it might be really good to have a single rider component. They were pulling off ones to load. They're, they load, each row loads about four, maybe five if you had three smaller children. Um, it's all single pull-down bar. Um, it's, it's less in width than the old great movie ride vehicles. But, um, but there is space. If you only got two or three, there is space to throw in a single rider. And I wouldn't mind to see a single rider line developed if there is some way of doing that. The other thing that doesn't quite yet make sense is that we find that Goofy has become the Runamuck Railroad Employee of the Month, which I guess is kind of an irony because Goofy goofs up, but it didn't seem to play out um, how we got that or it, it just it doesn't quite play out. And actually, in very short order, we lose Goofy. I guess that's well, because otherwise we'd probably call this Goofy's Runaway Railway, which might not have been a bad idea, but, um, but I'll, I'll come back to that in a minute. From, from the livery stable, we reemerge and we head toward a kind of uh, park scene. We're kind of on the boulevard, heading toward a park scene. It is reminiscent, we're singing the song, Nothing Can Stop Us Now, and it's reminiscent of the Smile Darn Ya Smile scene from Who Framed Roger Rabbit. The sun is out there kind of singing along and you see Mickey and Minnie driving along and everything's really beautiful. And, and so it kind of has that, that sunny day kind of feel to it. And what really works here is the colors, the animation style, the projections, the use of projector, projectors here to kind of create this whole, the 3D element, everything, the, the look. Now, I want to separate two things about these new Mickey and Minnie shorts. I, I really like the look and feel of these, of, of the setting of these shorts. And what I mean, on, and I saw this first time when I went on the Disney Cruise Line, there was a new little ice cream parlor on one of the ships called Sweet On You Ice Cream Sweets. And it was using the same animation style and it just looked adorable. And I thought, this is what Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway is going to look like. And it's going to be really cute. And sure enough, the setting is so cute. It is so colorful and so alive and so animated. And it's just fantastic. The thing I don't like about these shorts is how they draw the characters. It just isn't quite working for me. Um, my daughter mentions Goofy's eyes, which have this yellow tint to them, like, you know, he's like getting over a hangover or something. It's, it looks not right. And, and then we're getting into a tunnel very shortly, and we're going to meet up with Mickey and Minnie. And these are 3D 
uh, animatronics, very simplified with projection style in them. And they're not working. It's kind of in a three-quarter profile. When you draw Mickey, you can draw him head-on. You can draw him at a three-quarter profile or at a complete profile. And when you have a three-quarter profile, you get both eyes, but you get them at a slant and so forth. They did this to kind of, because the car is kind of coming with you, but they didn't want to do it at full profile. They drew the characters at a three-quarter profile, and they just, they don't look right. They just, it doesn't work um, as an animatronic. And now what does work as you're going into this tunnel, which is kind of, again, reminiscent, going back to the great movie, right? You'll recall after you leave Mary Poppins, you go into the gangster scene, but the first part, you're kind of underneath the railway tracks. Here, this is a closed intimate space. And one of the only intimate closed intimate spaces you get in the attraction. I like this. I like the openness at times, but I think it needs the intimacy of what you find in a traditional Fantasyland dark ride because you feel like you're in it more. Um, and so I like that intimate space. Um, this is where you're introduced uh, very clearly to Mickey and Minnie. And it's also a place where Goofy separates in the locomotive cab from the cars. There are four cars connected to the locomotive cab and you are separated from, uh, from him at this point. Um, you reconnect later. I think this is a miss because in these, all of it works in the same style that Rise of the Resistance works or Ratatouille or Mystic Manor or Pooh's Honey Hunt works. Uh, if you go to Pooh's Honey Hunt, you know that <clears throat> and the Wuffalo, uh, <laughs> Huffalumps and Woozles, Huffalumps and Woozles, is that right? Uh, scene, there's, you are all in teapots, but so is a Huffalump and Woozle. They're all spinning with you in that scene. I think I would have liked to have seen Goofy's train kind of coming with us and spinning with us and kind of going with us with Goofy maybe making some observations. Now, again, having said that, maybe that would have ended up making it Goofy's runaway railway instead of Mickey and Minnie's runaway railway. But notwithstanding, you do get separated from Goofy at this point. At this point, as things get kind of going crazy and you see that the cars are going off in a different direction, your car is going off in a different direction, Mickey says, let's get that runaway train. And it's almost like, you know, how in Toy Story 3, I think it is. Yeah, Toy Story 3, where Woody and is off to rescue um, the runaway train. It's kind of like that kind of hint and lead on. Because the next scene you go into is a desert scene called the Stampede. And it has this rich desert imagery. I, and I got to tell you, it's one of my fa favorite rendered scenes in this attraction. It reminds me of the look and feel in Home on the Range, which I got to tell you, is got. You should never build an animated film around three cows. But if you separate that problem of that film the look and feel of of the desert and the farm and the territory is so such a great look and feel in my view um it also reminds me now for those of you going way back it kind of reminds me of the western frontier scene in america sings it goes through to four different scenes the old south the west the uh, gay 90s and then um the present 
This reminds me of that. And it's it's whimsical, and I just love the animation style here. But darn, if it isn't the most random scene I have ever... I cannot figure out what it has to do with anything. Um, other than Mickey saying, well, let's go get that runaway train. Um, and they seem to be uh, mucked up trying to lasso us because they try lassoing us in that scene. But from there, we dump from the desert into a carnival. And I don't see the link. I don't see the transition. And I guess, um, you know, they, they've kind of said in here that, that um, how did they put it? Uh, mouse rules uh, don't, don't go the way they, um, uh, they, they call them mouse rules. Um, so I guess they're saying anything can happen, and I get the anything can happen, but from the animation point of view, the plausible and possible, I just need to see a little more transition of why we're going from one to the other. What what what's the cut? What's what's the transition? Because I'm not getting this transition. I love the carnival scene. I love the western scene. I just don't know why they're back to back. At any rate, we go into a scene that is like a carnival scene. For me, it's reminiscent of Midway Mania. You see, for instance, Donald behind a um, kind of a, a booth, and you kind of feel like maybe I should be shooting something, you know, or whatever. But but uh, and there's so many details in here. The the wall. Um, it, it, I really love the details. The challenge is. The challenge here is that um, uh, there's a there's a there's a roller coaster called Twister, and it somehow a twister or a tornado seems to start up, and I don't know how. You know, and it seems to take the roller coaster and it takes us into another room where we have an actual tornado twister. And so there's this going to be this segue from the twister coaster to the twister scene, but we're not sure how we got there or what has created that. I will say as the twister comes alive in this room, the walls almost, everything seems to almost move and warp. And it's really very cool. You also get this warping effect when you get to an underwater scene in a few minutes. So I love that aspect. But then you go into the Twister Room, which I got to say was one of the most unimpressive things in this entire attraction. It is reminiscent of the Cat in the Hat Twister scene a little bit. And maybe a little bit of Disney's... Um, the Fantasia um, Sorcerer Apprentice scene in the great movie ride. Do you remember that Mickey is kind of in you, the wind is blowing and they got fans blowing in there. So you get that feel of it. In the middle is this uh, tornado and Mickey and Minnie and a bird that we're going to come to later. Um, Chuby Bird is wrapped up in it and and everything else is wrapped up in it. The size of this tornado is pretty impressive and it's moving in a circle that's really kind of cool. But with the lighting bleeding from the cyclone scene and to the next scene, you don't really get it just feels like I'm in a dark room and it, it just the whole thing kind of looks kind of cheap. Um, and it's disappointing because in Mystic Manor, you are caught into a cyclone. Only there's no center tornado in the middle, though there are things in the middle that are kind of spinning around. But on the 
add to the walls, the walls are coming apart and you see an exterior scene and it's pretty fantastic how everything is kind of blowing apart. I thought that was a better take. And, and by the way, in that scene uh, in Mystic Manor, your vehicles are also kind of caught in a spin. Here we just kind of wrap ourselves around the tornado and move on, which is one of my my chief problems with this attraction is I, 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 I want to have like Pirates of the Caribbean, something that I come back and see later. But some of these scenes go so quickly, um, the carnival scene being one of them, um, that that I just feel like I'm in and out and I, I, we don't really appreciate what the scene has to offer. Notwithstanding, we spin out of the twister and we go into what seems to be a kind of a tropical isle. And it's all green and all lush and lovely. And then all of a sudden it turns red like a volcano is happening. And each of the four cars turn and face into kind of an alcove. And in this alcove, it makes you feel like you are heading down a river and are going over a falls. And I got to tell you, it's all projection, but it's very effective. It's very cool, very effective. And when you get to the bottom of the waterfalls, by the way, you're not, you're not falling. You're just simply sitting in this car, but it looks from a projection point of view, very realistic, although cartoony. It, it just working really well. And then you fall into what would be the water and you back out of this alcove and you are in this um, underwater sea kind of thing where you see fish um, playing different musical instruments and people floating along. It, this, this whole collective scene is a little reminiscent of two things. First, um, Pirates of the Caribbean Battle for the Sunken Treasure at Shanghai Disney. You come to these big projected scenes in there that um, this is a little reminiscent because you go under the water in Pirates of the Caribbean, but it also is reminiscent from a cartoon style of bed knobs and broomsticks and um, uh, how pleasant bobbing along, bobbing along in the bottom of the beautiful brine sea. I love that scene. This is almost that. I don't know why they didn't include the music. I think it's a little... Uh, um, hint of that wouldn't have been a bad thing. Um, but notwithstanding, having gone into this theater, having seen a transition, having gone to the waterfall, backing out and seeing being underwater, all of this is, this is really one of the best scenes. And um, if anything, you could use another thing like this that plays out into a transition and so forth in, in someplace else in the attraction. It really is very cool. Um, then from there, you transition into a storm basin, like the water is all rushing out of the, of the ocean. This is a really good transition. Washes out of the ocean, you're in a storm basin and being thrown into the big city. And that, that whole transition works really well. It's very short, it's not, not belabored. And you come into the big city and it feels very reminiscent of Roger Rabbit's uh, Toontown spin. Lots of detail in the scene, lots of Easter eggs, You've got Pete um, hammering away um, in a construction scene. You have uh, Donald coming by. You have traffic flowing uh, very quickly by. It's very clever. Again, the only problem with this scene is it goes fast and you don't have enough time to see it all. Instead, you come into a studio that's off of the uh, town and you head into Daisy's dance studio. 
Now, what happens here is you have an, an animatronic, um, you have an animatronic version of Daisy, and she's at the head of the classroom. You have mirrors behind her all the way along the wall, and all four of your cars line up, and she guides you into a dance class. The, the animatronic of Daisy here with the projection, it works. It is a very cool animatronic, and it stays within the cartoon theme. Unlike Mickey and Minnie, this one works. Um, what doesn't, and, and if there's anything this whole scene is reminiscent of, it's if you've been on Luigi's Rollickin' Roadsters at Disney's California Adventure, it's an outside experience, but that attraction works on the basically the same thing. You load in these cars and they kind of move in sync and do their thing. And the first part is kind of a waltz in sync. And then all, she, she, all of a sudden she kind of goes to a rumba and, and the, the cars kind of shake and move and then head out to the next scene. Um, if you've done Luigi's, then this scene is kind of like, eh, whatever. You know, it's, it's, it's really... It lacks all the cartoon detail that all the other scenes have because most all the other scenes, minus that tornado, is dripping with detail and things to look for and see. So this was kind of, I just felt like this was a waste of scene. I would have liked to have seen uh, more uh, details poured into this. From there you move, for whatever reason, you move into a factory scene. I guess you moved, you were in the big city, you moved into one store, you come out of it and head toward factory scene. Mickey and Minnie are telling you be careful don't don't you know it's kind of again like Roger Rabbit's cartoon spin at first where you're kind of being um, um, heading into the warehouse and and the dip mobile that type of thing and you're in trouble that kind of thing it's a little reminiscent of that what's cool about the scene is in the process and I don't know what the catalyst is that takes you from the factory, but it all of a sudden changes and becomes this fair. And it's really pretty amazing. In fact, it looks like jo Mary Poppins' jolly holiday scene at night uh, toward the end of this transition. The downside of all this and the trans uh, the transformation of how, and there are things like fold up and move up and down. It, the transformation is just almost instant and very cool how you went from a factory to a fair. Very, very cool. The problem is it happens way too fast. And especially if you're in the wrong car, or one of the cars that leave first, you're just like, what just happened here? And, and you're pulled out of it just, I think, too quickly. There's just too many times I felt like I needed another, not long, but another six, seven seconds in, in these areas to see what happened. Plus, I'm not sure what was the catalyst that changed it from factory affair. I do see in the factory that Mickey's been sucked into the machine and kind of led through its different parts and elements. Does, does that stop it up and then a change? I just can't tell what's happening there. But what does happen is we do come back into a, um, and by the way, I showed two images of the factory scene and the fair, and you'll, you'll, you'll see the thing looks completely different from one to the other. But what we do is then we re return to a park-like setting for the picnic. And to me, with the red and white tablecloth laid out, Mickey and Minnie standing there with Pluto nearby. Pluto's okay now. Um, they're singing, nothing could stop us now. And there's fireworks firing over it. It's, it's a little reminiscent of, of In Summer's Song with Olaf, but we're at night with all the d deep 
blues of the sky and everything. But it's a beautiful little scene. It's a really nice way to transition toward the end. Um, and and you and and you're caught up in the song, and the song becomes a chorus of people, not just Mickey and Minnie, and it really wraps up your affair very nicely. At the end, you're coming back into a barn, and at the top of the barn is this chubby bird. Now, the chubby bird was meant to be the chubby bird, but somebody made a typo error and called it chubby bird, and that somebody thought that was kind of cute and fun, I guess Kevin Rafferty. And so it ended up being stuck as chubby bird instead of chubby bird. And the chubby bird shows up, and I guess it's something to kind of, oh, there's the chubby bird. Oh, there's where the chubby bird is. I guess that's kind of fun and interesting. But I have no connection to this chubby bird. I don't know what the backstory is. I'm not sure that just the, the fact that the chubby bird keeps showing up makes it a backstory. Um, any more than Pluto shows up here and there makes it some kind of a backup story. I'm telling you, this is not your dad's orange bird. Okay? It's just... But yet, they've already gone out and done plush on it. They've even There's even like a $59, $69 purse of the chubby bird. Is this really going to sell? I, I, because there's no intellectual property preceding it where, you know, I knew the story when I went to the movies. I don't know. I don't know what the deal is with Chewie Bird. But notwithstanding, it does come to a nice ending. You get to the unload exit area, which is the barn. You're unloading back in the barn. And then you get out and you walk back out um, of uh, out of the theater. So when you walked into the screen, you come out of the screen just like you came in. And it's a nice, beautiful tie-in to make you feel like where you came in is where you came out. Really well done. There are some really good details. And let me tell you, I've got another post coming that's going to have to nail all the details. There's so many cute little things I want to talk about that's far and beyond this. Um, there's also, right before Goofy ends, there's a little buzz that happens on the seat. Not sure what that's all about. It's a little reminiscent of... Um, of uh, uh, tough to be a bug, but it's kind of, you know, why is it now? Why you could have done it maybe a couple other times, maybe during the tornado. I, you know, I just, it just seems, I'm not, I'm not sure what that was all about. Then, um, and then you go outside, which now has um, a more formalized um, covered kiosk uh, for merchandise. And there's some cute little pieces of merchandise from shirts and again, purses and plush to uh, a little railway whistle to uh, train toys. These are some really cool things. A lot of people were trying on the, uh, the locomotive hat with the goofy ears. Um, and attached to that also is a kiosk for, for some snacks, pretzels, and so forth. So it kind of brings, brings it all to the ending. In summary, the entire experience plays off of and is reminiscent of these new Mickey shorts. And, but it also plays off of the best things in so many other attractions. Uh, it takes little pieces that work in other dark rides and so forth and kind of puts them together. Um, what it is not reminiscent of is the great movie ride. Now, I don't want to belabor that. And um, I love this new attraction. I think there's a lot to really like. It has a rewritability. And I think people will enjoy seeing it. It's a family attraction. Everybody can go out. There's no reason why your family can't be on this attraction. This is a great attraction. I just would have taken down 
some other portion of the of the studio and there's still property around the studio i would have created a whole cartoon area and built in a mickey and minnie meet and greet or you know done some other things maybe um a little um ride kind of a fair ride or a couple little fair rides and and put that in there i would have done that rather than have taken out the great movie ride. i understand why it's taken out it, it, you know you had the royalties to pay and moreover uh, there was a it took it was a very labor intense attraction that's all gone because once you're on board the train train does its own thing uh, doesn't require people what you know being at every turn of the corner um so that said what works uh the ride vehicles love the little train aspect to it i love the the animated setting with its color and its style it's beautiful it's colorful it's rich it's intricate i would say this is probably the best dark ride i've ever seen and i love my mr toad wild ride i love alice in wonderland out of disneyland but this is a very cool um this is a very cool dark ride um and um by the way i also love the fact that because now people are standing in line over here, uh, the standby line times have gone down over at Smuggler's Run and over at Slinky Dog. So that's making things a lot more palatable. And I love that. It complements what has been a full slate, not just Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway, but Toy Story Land with its attractions, plus... Um, the uh, Star Wars Galaxy's Edge with its attractions, even um, the very modest uh, compared to these other major attractions, the um, the uh, the Cars um, Lightning McQueen attraction that is nearby um, Rock and Roller Coaster. There's a lot, and a, and a new little movie theater that plays these Mickey shorts. All of that combined, you really have um, a lot to see and check out at Disney's Hollywood Studios. And I love how this has been like the cherry on top to all of those additions and so forth. I'm not a favor of the animatronics that they have in there. They're very few um, and, and how they're done for the most part, not really working. Um, the character style, the amount of empty space. And I, I had this problem, it was people love, 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 People love um, uh, Pooh's Honey Hunt in in uh, Tokyo Disneyland. I like it a whole lot. I love the queue actually, which is a an Eng old English cottage, and I think it's beautifully done. But you get into these spaces, and they're wide open, and you don't you miss the intimacy of the dark ride, the traditional dark ride, just because we're going to move you around and so forth. I don't know if you've seen this play out in the Sea World Penguin attraction it, it doesn't work there you have too much empty space because you're moving ride vehicles around so i honestly i could have done this ride in my opinion you could have done this ride as just a regular ride on a track and and taken out some of the elements uh that you see otherwise and it would have been it would have been just fine and you'd saved yourself a lot of money uh, not to say I don't like the ride vehicles. I do like them, but 
but I just think there's an awful lot of empty space in this attraction. Um, so, but but all is said and done, those those things that I've mentioned are that are the downers are are minor compared to the things that are really positive. You don't want to miss this attraction when you come back to Walt Disney World. You are going to want to take advantage of seeing it, and it is well worth waiting an hour in line, in my view to go on this attraction. It's well worth coming really early to try to get in first in line, and it's well worth staying on property to get a fast pass if you can do so um, prior to um, prior to visiting uh, Walt Disney World. So I would definitely check it out. It's great that we still have the Chinese theater there. It's great that we're celebrating Mickey Mouse. I love the little song. Uh, and I love the feel that there's a feel of fun and happiness in it. And it's a great compliment to the experience you have when you go to Disney's Hollywood Studios. Well, that's a wrap. Thank you for joining us for this Disney at Work podcast. If you're listening to us, you undoubtedly have a love of all things Disney. Don't you wish you could bring the magic back not only to your home, but to your place of employment? Well, that's what we do at our sister uh, site, DisneyAtWork.com. We bring you best in business ideas from the happiest place on earth to you and your workplace. And we bring those concepts to you via our posts, podcasts, videos, books, programs, consulting, and more. In fact, for instance, if you love Disney's Hollywood Studios, as I do, check out Disney's Hollywood Studios from showbiz to your biz. It doesn't feature Galaxy's Edge or some of the newer attractions like Mickey and Minnie's, but it does share the rich heritage of this studio theme park and the parent studio behind it. You're gonna hear stories you've never heard before. You definitely want to check it out. Disney at Work um, and Disney at Play offer so many new and exciting things for you. Be sure to check out our offerings by subscribing to sign up to receive um, our newsletter, which when you do, you are able to access a complete guide to Star Wars Galaxy's Edge. This offers hundreds of unique photos, videos, interactive maps that you can't get elsewhere. You definitely need to sign up at DisneyAtPlay.com, DisneyAtWork.com, either place, sign up for the newsletter and you'll be able to access this terrific guide for free. Disney at Play and Disney at Work is part of Performance Journeys, committed to helping you improve your organization. If you would like a keynote speaker or a seminar for your business conference or group, we offer a variety of topics in leadership, employee engagement, customer service, and more. Know that when you invite me to speak uh, or to work alongside your organization, you are hiring someone who has successfully applied these ideas in the trench for scores of organizations for over 25 years. Just last week, a chance to be out in DC and dealing with a group that provides important government services in the federal sector. We talked to them about these Disney concepts and how they could apply it to make their organization run better. And we could do it for yours, whether it's in the public or private nonprofit. For more information, visit my sites, visit performancejourneys.com. Better yet, contact me by email and phone. Talk to me about what's happening in your workplace and how I can help you take your organization to the next level. Listening is the best gift I can give you. So hey, feel free to reach out and discuss your need. Well, 
Thanks for this week's show. We appreciate you taking the time to listen, and we really appreciate those who take the time to share this podcast and others like it with friends and colleagues. Please give us a good rating if you feel obliged to do so. Uh, We need all the help we can to get the word about Disney at Work and Play podcasts out to everyone. And finally, in the words of Sinbad's Storybook Voyage, that's episode 37, be sure, follow the compass of your heart in all that you do. Have a great day. After all, nothing can stop us now.